0: Vitality Media presents The Mike and Mo Show Now here are your hosts Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten but 42 of the Mike and Mo Show we are at it again ladies and gentlemen I'm Mike Calandrillo. he is Maurice Moten and we are into week 14 of the NFL season my goodness how quick has this season gone by but of course we're going to talk plenty as we get you ready for NFL Sunday we're going to talk injuries we're going to talk possibilities about next year already a uh, lot's going on in the world of baseball this past week with the uh, MLB general manager winter meetings we're going to talk about some of the signings, some of the trades that took place and of course the dysfunctional Knicks so Mo welcome to the show did you happen to catch the unveiling of the Heisman a little while ago
1: Yes, I caught it, and inside joke, It, it, it that was crazy. It was, I was, it just was thought, crazy, but, so um, crazy,
0: so so yeah, crazy.
1: Shout out to Lamar Jackson. He had a great yeah. season. He's a dual threat quarterback. I know Deshaun Watson doesn't like the term, nope. but Lamar, ja- uh, Lamar Jackson is what he is, and Deshaun Watson is too, but almost, I believe he had, he had 20-something touchdowns rushing, so he's just as good on the ground as he was through the air. He had that spectacular game against Clemson. Of course, he lost. But individually, his performance is pretty great. A lot of people were didn't watch the ceremony because they felt like the candidates for this year's Heisman were underwhelming. Yeah. And I said, well, these are kids out there, and they're, they're doing their best. And there's nothing you can do about the crop of people that come up. But for Lamar Jackson, I'm sure it was a big moment for him with his uh, coaches in, in attendance, his teammates in attendance, and, of course, his, his mom, who he paid homage to on the stage. So... Shout out and congratulations to him, the youngest Heisman winner in history, 19 years old, I believe. And he, of course, he he can't go to the NFL yet, so he has another year. So what I would advise him to do is don't, don't let your head get too big. You are the Heisman guy. You are the big man on campus now, officially. You were before because you are the quarterback, but now that you're a Heisman winner and you're allowed to go into that Heisman house, don't let it all go to your head. You still have a season left to play. You still have something left to prove as you prepared to move on to the next step in the nfl but i want to get to the actual cold opening which is a little bit of news that i got uh reading up on on things with the cleveland browns and apparently fox sports one analyst michael lombardi said the browns will go hard after jimmy garoppolo
0: Ugh.
1: now to say hold on wait a minute now i know jimmy garoppolo had four touchdown passes no interceptions about 500 passing yards in his two appearances before he got hurt But let's hold on here. If Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy for Hugh Jackson, he needs to understand that it's about fit. Don't go by what a quarterback does with the Patriots. Jacoby Percet won a game with the Patriots without even throwing a TD pass. He threw for about 103 yards. And they still shut out the Texans 27-0. This is with J.J. Watt in the lineup. So just pay attention to the Matt Castle story. Matt Castle went, I believe, 10-5, 11-5 with Patriots one year. And Kansas City picked him up. They signed him. Yes, he did have a 10-5 season with Kansas City, but he started off, I believe, 4-11. And, and what has Matt Castle been ever since that 10-5 season? Not much. Bounced around, went to the Vikings, went to the Bills, went to Dallas. Now he's on Tennessee and no one cares. You are the Browns, and they are the Patriots. If You can't, you can't get any more opposite side of the spectrum than those two teams in the league. So fire beware. If you're going to pick up Jimmy Garoppolo, make sure he's the perfect fit exclude all the the success that he had in that stretch when he actually played, and say, okay, is this the guy for our system? The last thing is, RG3 is coming back to start for the Browns this weekend. What I would do if I'm you, I would hang on to RG3. If he does well, I would even let him start the beginning of next year before I even roll out Jimmy Garoppolo. That's if they get him. But again, if he's not the fit, Maybe you draft a quarterback. This quarterback class isn't that strong. I don't think a quarterback will go number one overall. So the Browns want to get a young quarterback, I think they can do it. If they want to trade back or whatever they want to do, they can get a quarterback maybe mid to late first round. Even in the second or third round, they could probably get a quality quarterback. that can, they, they can develop and just groom over time.
0: This is such a Cleveland Browns typical type of transaction. You're going to trade for a guy who is a free agent after next season. I mean... Why? Why would you give up what potentially would be, I would think, a second round pick? I mean, maybe a first. I mean, knowing New England, what they usually ask for, but probably going to be a second round pick for a guy. For all intents and purposes, unless you're going to make him one of the top five paid quarterbacks in the NFL, why would he resign with Cleveland? I understand that it's nice to start, but that team is a dumpster fire to the tenth infinite power. I mean, they're not getting better. They're who knows if they'll ever make a playoff run. In my lifetime, but if you want to draft a quarterback, that's I, I don't know. Deshaun Watson, maybe you've got a bunch of picks in the first round, maybe you can get him at the top of the second round. You got to start over from scratch. Uh, I mean, I just it's it would be fine for one season, Garoppolo. Maybe he'll win six games with the rest of the talent that's on that team, but it's that's not enough. I, and why, you know, why would he want to stay there? Why would he even be okay? Not that he has a choice of going to Cleveland being traded, but why would he, like, even say, you know, okay, trade me? No, I would fight tooth and nail to not go anywhere near that team. I mean, that that team ends careers. Straight up. So
1: you're pulling a, a Eli Manning... You're saying, John Elway, you're you're, idol right there. So that's what you're
0: saying? I mean, do you want to turn into Johnny Manziel? I mean, uh, even Johnny Manziel was on TMZ saying this week Lamar Jackson should do anything and everything in his power when he comes out to avoid the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, it's just... It's just not a good look, and, I, and look, I'm sure he's a decent guy, and I'm sure that if they off- give what New England wants, he would accept the trade because he um, she wants to play, I'm sure, and if, obviously if he plays, his value will only go up for his free agency year, but it's just not a smart move for Cleveland. I mean, you're going to trade a lot for a guy who's, you know, only started three NFL games or so. We don't know for sure. Like you said, Matt Castle it could be. Uh, I don't know. It's just It's just not a good move, but again, I'm not surprised by anything that
1: team does. Yeah, I mean, a team may trade up to get Deshaun Jackson number one overall. I wouldn't think that's a smart idea because Deshaun Jackson didn't have—I mean, he had a pretty good season, but it wasn't dazzling. Like, oh my gosh, this is the next big thing. But again, the Browns—they have so many options. They don't have to—they don't have to put all their hopes into Jimmy Garoppolo. And and I wouldn't because, like I said, if a player plays for the Patriots, that team is the best system team in the league. You have to say, okay, is this does this player fit? what we're trying to do next year. Because if he doesn't, then you're just going to you're, you're gonna wind up using a draft pick, losing those draft picks, and then setting the team back another three, four years. And Browns fans, as it is, are impatient. I mean, Hugh Jackson shed tears in one press conference interview because the Browns haven't won a game yet. News flash. They're still trying to win their first game of the season. They're trying to avoid going 0-13 this weekend against the Bengals. So, you know, I understand he was probably trying to press all the buttons and explore all options. I mean, they, hell, they, they're they rolling out RG3 again. And I think RG, I hate to say it, but I think RG3, I think his his career as a starter, if he doesn't get it right these last three or four games, it's over for him. And I think this is his final audition. So this is, this is probably the best we're going to see him try to, to hold on to a spot in the NFL as a starting quarterback. Hopefully, again, he gets it together and he gives the Browns Maybe a bridge between the current and the future.
0: Yeah, and then when they play the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, sometime in February, if Alabama wins, all the players go to the NFL and everybody for the Browns has to retire. I think that's...
1: You know what's so so funny? I think it was Joe Hayden who was upset that there was a, a, a football game simulation... Between the Browns and the and the Crimson Tide, and the Crimson Tide won, and he was pretty pissed off about
0: it. But. Yeah, I mean, it is, look, it is still a college team. It is coached by, you know, probably one of the greatest college coaches of all time.
1: But, I mean, you
0: know, who knows? Anything's possible with, with uh, you know, the Browns, and I wouldn't put it past them to blow a game to, you know, a bunch of college kids, because that's a really, really good team. Um, yep. They're probably going to win the title again, so I wouldn't be surprised.
1: But real quick, before we go into the open mic segment, what do you think about the Final Four in college football? Do you think Alabama's the runaway team to win it? Because I, I, I think we could get a surprise. I actually think, you know, maybe Ohio State or Clemson, after their battle, the 2-3 spot, one of those teams could possibly knock off Alabama in the championship game. Clemson saw them last year. You know, I don't know say through the a charm, but who knows? After a repeat, you know, watch some film of last year's championship game, and they, maybe they get it right.
0: Yeah, I'm still a little surprised Penn State's not there when they were the Big Ten champion. So that's a little confusing to me. Um, I, I was, you know, I I understand the reasoning for that. You know, the the wins, losses, and you know the strength schedule, and, and who won by how many points. I mean, I understand what the what the committee is saying, but you still you won the conference and you're not in the Final Four. I, I don't get it. I mean, I know Ohio State is Ohio State, and, you know, they beat Michigan, and, you know, Michigan didn't get in, so, you know, I I guess they wanted to defer to a powerhouse, a team that they think can contend, and maybe they didn't felt Penn State couldn't, but I just felt like they got shafted, but I don't think it matters. I think at the end of the day, Alabama wins another national title, and it'll probably be Clemson, and it'll be a good game, it'll be a great rematch, but... Uh, outside of Deshaun Watson, I, I I don't really see much that uh, you know Alabama's got to worry about stopping.
1: You know what? I, I this is two things I would do to fix college football right now. Okay, and I know the easy solution is expand it to eighteen, but that's not the main thing I'm, I'm trying to get at here. What I would do for college football is I would scrap the whole division thing because I think they have within each conference, and especially the Power highs, they have two divisions, I think they call leaders and ladders, whatever it is, but they have divisions there, east-west, you know? Get rid of the divisions. Just have a conference with all the teams in that conference, and then just take the two top teams and let them play. The reason Ohio State couldn't play in that conference game is because they were in the other division, and Penn State happened to be in the other division with a weaker division. So I say forget the whole division thing. Who are the top two teams? And have them play in the conference title game, because if that was the case, we would have saw Penn State and Ohio State play half a round, too. Penn State, of course, beat them early in the year. But because of the whole division uh, thing you got going on, oh, Ohio State can't play in the conference title game because they're in the other division. Uh, to me, it's it, it's silly. It's To me, it's dumb because, as you said, Penn State obviously felt shattered because they beat Ohio State, and then they won the conference title game. Mm-hmm. So that's two things they had. But because of their two losses, it really hurt them to Michigan and, I believe, Pittsburgh. So college football can They can still tweak things to get it right And the first thing I I think they should do Get rid of conference games and have each conference At least the power fives Have a conference title game
0: There you go, Commissioner Moe Getting rid of conferences and going straight to the bowl games That's what I'm talking about But we will be right back with Open Mic Stay tuned Open Mic Now, Mr. Football Momentum, uh, I got a question for you. If you're the Seattle Seahawks and you can – let me phrase this correctly. If there's one position on the field that you could potentially lose a player for the season, a la what just happened to Earl Thomas, is safety the one spot on this defense that you can go ahead and be all right with losing your guy? like that because of the strength of their front four and their secondary and Richard Sherman? I mean, or, or is it is it another spot that you would have rather said, well, we lost such and such, but we still love Earl Thomas?
1: Uh, you know what's so funny? I'd rather lose the cornerback opposite Richard Sherman than lose a deep safety because... And it's, it's very similar to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Kansas City Chiefs' pass defense is effective against the Raiders' uh, explosive offense because they have a dominant cornerback in Marcus Peters and then have a really good free safety in Eric Berry. When you have that, you, you can have that cornerback go one-on-one with the, with the other team's best wide receiver, and then you can have your safety just blanket any pass that goes deep. And that's what makes a pass defense effective in shutting down good offenses. And that's what the Seattle Seahawks have when they have Richard Sherman on the best player on the other team and they have Earl Thomas deep. And I think that's a huge problem for Seattle. That's the one spot that I probably wouldn't want to lose a player for the Seattle Seahawks' sake because Earl Thomas does a lot more than people think. I I think the guys went to five Pro Bowls. As you said, he, he broke his tibia. He had a tweet that said he's considering retirement which was, I think, an emotional tweet because, of course, he works so hard. Every, every player works hard, but this is a guy who, who hasn't really dealt with major injuries. And a lot of people said I, they think that he made that tweet saying he was contemplating retirement, that he would eventually change his mind after getting a diagnosis and saying that, you know, eventually he'd come back and play well because it wasn't like a concussion. It wasn't like, you know, repetitive concussions. Where you like, okay, this this is messing with my brain. This is messing with my head. It's a it's a broke. Basically, it's a broken leg. I mean, we. I mean, other people have broken legs. Like, I'm not poo pooing his injury. I'm not saying it's it's nothing, but it's a broken leg. He'll eventually heal. A lot of people compare it to Paul George, and you see Paul George in the NBA of the Indiana Pacers has come back and come back with a strong season. Football of course is a lot more physical, but we all know once you recover from an injury, it's all about the mental thing of getting back on the field. But back to your question. Earl Thomas is a huge loss for the Seattle Seahawks, and I think it's huge enough that Seattle won't win the Super Bowl. And I, and I say it's because if they have to meet up with the Patriots, if they have to meet up with the Steelers, or dare I say the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl, those are all pass-heavy teams, and mm-hmm. those are teams that will attack your deep safety. And we all know Cam is there, but he's more of an in-the-box safety where he's there to stop the run. He can play deep also, but he's not as good as Earl Thomas. And Earl Thomas was that piece where okay, if, if a cornerback gets deep and beats, a, and beats a, you know, a corner, if a wide receiver gets deep and beats a corner, Earl Thomas would be able to clean it up. And basically that's what was happening on the play where he banged up his leg. He was trying to grab an interception, and he collided what I believe with uh, Cam Chancellor, went down hard, and again, huge loss for the Seattle Seahawks. And we all know that their offense has been hit and miss throughout the season, so they really need that defense to be on their A game. And they can't do that with one of their best players on the shelf. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We're gonna talk a little Philadelphia Eagles, and who's better to talk Eagles than the Philly fan? Let's bring him in. Welcome to the show, Philly fan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, I got a, I got a, I got some questions. I got some problems. Uh, what is the deal with potentially bringing back to Sean Jackson? I mean, I know he's a second round pick many years ago, and and Benedict Arnold, Chip Kelly, cut him. He ruined us for a long time. But come on, are we gonna bring him back next year? Cause we got no we got no wide receivers, Mo. So what are we doing? Who do we sign?
1: I'm having a stroke. Listen, Philly fan, you you weren't ruined for that long. You you bounced prank pretty well. You got Doug Peterson there. You had a good start, now teams have figured out your quarterback. Your boy Carson Wentz is now struggling because yeah. Yeah, that's what film does to people. But you know, if Deshaun Jackson were to come back to Philly, which I see happening because they needed number one. Jordan Matthews is, is a number two. Uh, Dorial Green is a number two, maybe a number three. Five. But, but I I could see it happening that Chip is not there. <laughs> not that Chip Kelly's not there anymore. He's obviously he's in San Francisco, and Washington doesn't have to shut out big bucks with Deshaun Jackson because they got Jameson Crowder, they got Pierre Garcon, they got Jordan Reed, they got fifty-two year old Vernon Davis still catching passes. So Kirk Cousins still has enough weapons around him even without Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's been hurt a lot this year and last year, and Kirk Cousins is still flourished. So I could see it pretty much happening if Philly were to really aggressively come after him. As long as Chip Kelly's not with that program, Deshaun Jackson will be back in green again. I
0: feel like... I don't know if Jordan Matthews is a number two. I mean, I feel like he would be better out of the slot as a number three, and Deshaun Jackson is... Not the Deshaun Jackson when he play, played with the Eagles, so he might be a, a two trending downwards as well. Does a guy like that really really make that much of a difference? Because he can't seem to stay on the field.
1: Yeah, as long as he can stay healthy, he gives them that speed threat that they thought uh, Nelson Aguilar would be. But Aguilar's been a, a huge bust. I mean, this guy was drafted. I believe in the first round, the number 20th pick. Yeah. So that's what they want. That's what they wanted out of Aguilar, and obviously Aguilar is not that. As long as they don't have to break the bank for Deshaun Jackson, I think it's a benefit to Carson Wentz because it gives him a, a variety of weapons. Jordan Matthews is a possession receiver, and, and DGB is, is 6'5". He's not burning. He's not running by anybody. They need that guy who's going to stretch the defense. And again, as long as Deshaun can stay healthy, which he hasn't over the last two years, He's good for that, and he'll, he'll definitely boost their offense. But I think what they're also going to do is probably draft another wide receiver. Not to say they're giving up on Aguilar, but if you watched his games, he does not look like an NFL wide receiver.
0: Yeah, it's time to give up on Aguilar. Uh, <laughs> there's certain guys that, when, when you think of playing for one team, that's all you can really see them as. You know, you can't see John Elway in anything but a, but a Bronco helmet, Dan Marino in anything but a Dolphin, Steve Young. I mean, the list goes on and on. Troy Aikman is one of those guys that you can only picture him with that star helmet on. But in 2002, things were almost a whole lot different. You remember back, uh, NFC Championship game, Donovan McNabb breaks his leg. I mean, things were getting, things were going awry really fast. So what happened, Mo? What, what exactly did Troy Aikman do, get on the radio and tell the world that he was almost a Philadelphia Eagle? What?
1: So, so, so basically, Donovan McNabb breaks his leg in the middle of the season, right? Well, toward the middle of the season. And Andy Reid goes, you know what? would be a good idea if we get an ex-Dallas Cowboy, <laughs> Troy Aikman, an icon to play for the Eagles. That would look so weird, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah. He tried it. I give credit to Andy Reid. He tried it, and Troy Aikman basically said you know, he would sleep on it. He spoke to uh, Noah Turner, I believe. He spoke to his Fox producer because at the time he was in broadcasting. By the way, Troy Aikman is a fine broadcaster. When I listen Mm -hmm. to those games on Fox and Troy Aikman, he has the voice for it.
0: Yep.
1: He has that strong voice for it. Him and Joe Buck, I know a lot of people give them a lot of, you know, Gufford, Joe Buck, oh, he's a (laughs) douchebag. Those two together on Fox, to me, I I like them as as a tandem, but that's just me. But Troy Aikman was already into his career, his broadcasting career, and doing a fine job. And he said, "You know what? I'll think about it." And he thought to himself and basically said, "Do, do I want to do this?" Because we all know it's not all about playing. A lot of times, players struggle with practice during the week. You got to overcome injuries. You got to have surgeries and all this stuff. It's about the grind that gets played that causes players to walk away from the game. It's not game day because for them, game day is exciting. They get the, they get the adrenaline pumping, but they don't want to you know do film room sessions and walkthroughs and practices, that can wear on you. And Treichman had, a, had a, a history of concussions, I believe. So he said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'll just stay in the booth and do my thing. And, you know, he, again, he does a fine job. A.J. Philly wound up taking over. He went 4-1. I don't like to remember this season too much because this is the year that, that the Eagles lost to the NFC, the eventual the eventual Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers who also beat the Raiders, forty-eight to twenty-one in the Super Bowl. I was sixteen years old and I had to cover my eyes watching that because it was, it was horrible. But um, <laughs> you know, you know, AJ Philly did this thing, and even back then, it goes to show you how good Andy Reid was at coaching. No matter if it was AJ Philly or Kevin Cobb, the guy, you know. You know, he knew how to how to coach a team. He knew how to get the best out of his players. He does it now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City's offense is miserable. I believe Alex Smith has 12 touchdown passes in 13 games. Yeah. He's not been averaging a touchdown pass per game, but the Chiefs are 10-3. That's a shout-out, quick shout-out to Andy Reid, great coach that does have a Super Bowl ring. Behind Belichick, he's got to be up there. But back to the point, Troy Aikman may have made the best decision. I, I'm sure that a silly team would have got him to the playoffs and pretty far, but I don't know if Troy Aikman at at that stage would have been able to take the Eagles to the promised land.
0: Yeah, I mean, he only played 11 years. He had eight concussions or so in 11 years and, uh, you know, obviously got out of the game for a reason. But I love these stories that you don't, you know, you don't find out till long after guys are retired. And he said it was uh, on the radio in Dallas. And he said he actually came, almost came out of retirement three times. Obviously, the one we just talked about, he almost came uh, came out for the San Diego Chargers the first time the year he was waived from the Cowboys in two thousand uh when was a two it was right after his retirement uh and then it was the last time which he said was most serious which in 2003 when Dave Wonstadt who used to be his coach in Dallas took over the Miami Dolphin job so you know uh, who knows it's it probably for the obviously the man's health it's a good thing he did not come back but uh you know you always wonder, like, Brett Favre bounced around a bunch of times. Would it have been an effective, you know, move for a guy like Troy Aikman who, hey, who knows if he if he was healthy, he could have gone down as one of the great quarterbacks of all time. But, you know, for a Cowboy fan, I'm sure they would not have liked to seen him in anybody else's uniform but their own.
1: Yeah, you can't. If, if, if Troy Aikman was going to play for a team, he would have to go to play for another team outside of the conference to, to retire and then come back and play for a team within the division. Like, if Troy Aikman... Wanted to come back. Let's say he did. He cannot come back to the Eagles or the Redskins or the Giants. That can't. You just can't. Especially the icon that he is in Dallas. Couldn't have done it. I I don't think that would have went over well. Even though Brett Favre did go to the Minnesota Vikings, and you know if you saw his Hall of Fame speech, he he talked about it a little bit. And you know Chiefs heads were there and they didn't they didn't really boo him too much. But you kind of heard the mums and groans when he mentioned the Minnesota Vikings during his Hall of Fame speech. So. That would have been odd to see, but I'm sure when Brett Favre finally writes a, a book or something, we'll hear about all the stories about how he almost came back at 42, 44 years old. I'm ready for those stories to pop out soon. Maybe a 30 for 30 episode or something like that.
0: Yeah, let's hear about them uh, Them photos he sent that young lady in New York.
1: <laughs> why, why are we going to go there? <laughs> hey, I mean, it has to be Mike to take the cheap shot. I always think he's going to go along with Brett Favre because he played for the Jets. He, he made it. the Jets relevant for at least a short period of time. Wasn't going to lowball him, but of course, my co-host Mike
0: has to go there. Yeah, buddy. Have you ever have you ever seen the girl that he he uh, sent the photos to? Jen Selter, I believe was her name.
1: I think I did, but I don't. Is she a brunette? Is she a brunette? She's nice. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. I, why are we going down this road? Why? Why, why not? Because it's
0: fun. But anyway, that is it for this segment. We will be right back with building momentum. Stay where you are. It's now time for building momentum.
1: So I knew this was going to happen sooner or later. Mr. Make Baseball Great Again uh, is going to ask to get paid. He's going to be with more money, more buckets eventually. So I, you know what? I'm just going to come on and ask if to the people out there, even to my call is Mike, if Bryce Harper is available. I believe after the 2008 season, and he's asking for 10 years, 400 million, which he reportedly will ask for. Do you sign him? Because I'm pretty sure the Yankees are salivating right now at this because they know of all the teams that will probably go for it, it's probably the Yankees who would pay up 10 years, 400 million for Mr. Make Baseball Great Again.
0: Uh, quite simply, Draymond Green voice, yup. Yep. But, <laughs> but
1: to get further into
0: it, Uh, I I liken it to the fact that Giancarlo Stanton of the Miami Marlins recently signed a 13-year $325 million deal. So the the thing with that is it breaks down the $25 million a year, which is a lot of money, but it's not $40 million a year. The thing with Bryce Harper is when he's a free agent, he's only going to be 26, okay? He's already won an MVP. I think he's like a four-time all-star. He's the face of his franchise. The guy, you know, if he stays healthy – if he can continue to keep his head on straight, he can possibly, you know, rewrite all the record books because he started when he was so young. I mean, he was what, nineteen? He was in the majors. So, you know, the Yankees he want reportedly he wants to be a Yankee. The Yankees have interest at that time when he's a free agent. The Yankees will be flush with money because of all the contracts like Alex Rodriguez and CC Sabathia that are coming off the books. The Yankees by then also should be relevant again uh, with all the prospects that they've acquired over the past couple months. So it's on paper, it's a great fit. Uh, I'd love to see it. We've already heard that Washington came out and said this week that they're not even going to entertain the idea of a 10-year, $400 million contract. So if you're the Nationals, who, you know, we're not going to get into it too much, but totally botched their uh, their minor league system via a huge trade uh, with the Chicago White Sox during the winter meetings, uh, you have to trade him. You have to trade him next year. He doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract. I don't care what you get for him. You're going to get a whole lot. Probably from a you know a middle of the road team that has a pretty good farm system, but you cannot hold on to them. You know who's going to trade for them? I don't know because they know you know that team has to have some kind of inkling that they will hopefully entertain the idea of re-signing with them. Otherwise, they, nobody will trade for them because you know who's going to be able to afford a contract like that? The Dan- the Yankees, the Dodgers, and maybe the Red Sox, but they might not need them because they're pretty well stocked in the outfield. So. Uh, yeah I, I mean I understand we're all sides are coming for Harper you know hey if you have if he has another all-star MVP type of year, $400 million, who knows, maybe maybe half a billion dollars we're talking. But if he plays like he did last year and he missed a lot of time, then, yeah, it's a little much, $400 million. But, again, Giancarlo Stanton's getting 325 and he can't stay healthy either. So, you know, you gotta. at the end of the day, guys are getting paid. They're joining the Mo Money, Mo Buckets fan club, money club. I mean, it's just going to happen. And, you know, when you're 26 years old and you got great hair, why not? Let me ask you a
1: question, <laughs> yeah. Mike. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, Mike Stanton. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You mentioned. It. Now, how are the Marlins doing <laughs> since uh, since? No, since he got his fat contract, well, working no, out. it hasn't.
0: It hasn't worked out at all. And uh, but you, but from reports, this what came out of the winter meetings, they're looking to give Kenley Jansen, the the former closer of the Dodgers, uh, the same money, if not more than uh, who we'll talk about in a moment. Roll does Chapman just got from the Yankees, and we're talking around ninety million dollars. So the Marlins have money to spend. Obviously, with the passing of Jose Fernandez last year, uh, his contract was going to be up next year. That that's a lot of money that they have to now use on another player. Because Jose was probably looking at hundred million dollar contract as well, so it's a team that in that division with with the Mets who are question marks and the Braves who are rebuilding and the Nationals who could lose Bryce Harper, uh, anything is possible and the Marlins could potentially go from where they finished last year, which I think was you know somewhere around third, to winning that division this year if they get a Canley Jansen and and who knows because if if Giancarlo Mike Stanton stays healthy, he is worth that money, but that's a huge huge if. So it'll be it'll be really interesting and fun to see there's going to be a lot of moving parts before Bryce gets his 400 million dollar contract. I'm just interest, interested to see what happens the following winter when Mike Trout becomes a free agent with the, with the uh, with the Angels who just won his second MVP award and he'll only be 27 when he gets becomes a free agent because he in my estimation is the best ball player on the planet, uh probably the greatest ball player a uh, full five two ball player that we've seen since the likes of willie mays and if anybody's going to get half a billion dollars it's mike Trout.
1: i you know i, I played the wrong sport growing up apparently because <laughs> yeah you can demand not demand but when you can just roll out 10 years 400 million like a small grenade and people will say hey somebody's gonna pay him that tells me that i yeah, i definitely should have played some more baseball as a kid <laughs> but um yeah, Mike's going to be Peter Gammons real quick, and he, we're going to run through a couple of transactions that came out of the Winter Meetings, or I should say during the Winter Meetings or after. Uh, your boy is coming back to town, yeah, um, Chapman. The mm. Chapman. They sign him back. Mm. Um, is that a happy ending? Are you are you happy to see... Of course you are, but... Well, yeah. I'm sure he's happy to come back because he actually said it, because of mm-hmm. course he said he happy to be a Yankee. But ha- how much better can it be for Chapman? I mean, after his domestic violence incident... He goes to a uh, a World Series winning team, winning team, gets his gets he's going to get his ring. Then goes back to where, you know, he likes to play with the Yankees. So he gets to have his cake and eat it too, I guess. So happy ending for all sides involved. Am I right? Oh, I mean,
0: in my estimation, absolutely. In a role, this is yes. If you ask the national media that's not, you know, uh, jumping on the Boston Red Sox wagon, no, because many people feel that he got a five year, $86 million contract. He can opt out after the third year. That's the new thing. Everybody's given these opt out clauses. So, more than likely, so he's going to, but, you know, three years from now is a long time. Uh, why the media is so against it is because they feel that the Yankees probably won't contend for another season or so so by the time the Yankees are getting ready to contend which is when you know the Manny Machados of the world and the Bryce Harpers become free agents they feel that Chapman who's now 29 is going to be on the downward trend because you know relief pitchers throw really hard like he does 105 miles an hour and, and eventually they all flame out and you know he was overused in the postseason with the Cubs which I honestly feel is one of the reasons that the Cubs didn't want to give him all that money even though they traded their number one prospect to be Yankees to get him in August, but regardless... For me, it's a great decision with, for the Yankees because they knew what they wanted, they went out and got it, and their starting pitching is not very good. After Masahiro Tanaka, it's a bunch of question marks, so by bringing in Chapman, you've got a legitimate ninth inning closer, you move Batantis back to the eighth, which is where he shined because he did not pitch very well in, in the ninth last year, you've got plenty of guys that you can use in the seventh, there's still talk that they could go out and get a guy who, like, they used to have David Robinson from the White Sox, so what that would do is going to give you a bullpen that's as dominant as, as what you have had last year when you had miller batances and chapman and it, what it does is it shortens the games so you don't no longer need six and seven innings from your starters you need four and five which is a lot easier to get from a bunch of guys that you don't really know what you're going to get from them besides tanaka and even him has a partially torn road, uh, ucl joint in his elbow so at any moment you know it's a rubber band just waiting to snap so I I like the move I don't care that the Yankees aren't going to win this year You got him for five You got him for at least three He does have a no trade uh, clause in his contract That says he can't be traded to any team on the west coast So no west coast love from a man Chapman But you know it's funny The Marlins actually offered him more money Straight up at least it was it was more than at least a million dollars Which was reportedly uh, ESPN came out with during the winter meetings And the guy is from Cuba So Miami is closer to Cuba And he ain't going back there anytime soon So he wanted to be a Yankee And that's what I, as a fan, that's what I love He flat out said, quote, I love, being, I love the Yankees organization I was hoping I had a chance to go back And it happened, every player dreams of being a Yankee And if they don't, it's because they never got the chance I mean, what? That's what you want You want your team, you want players to play for your team Team. And if somebody comes out And says that And they're happy that That's that. For, as a fan That just makes your life So much easier And for an organization They knew That was their guy That was their target Going into the winter meetings A role Chapman And if they didn't get him It would have been a fail But they did So Everybody that's throwing, you know, sand on the fire, just stop. I mean, this was this was a move that they needed, okay? Uh, there's a lot of things still that need to go on for this team to be competitive, but this is something that can totally shorten the rebuild by, like, a year. So maybe not in 2017, but, but I would think by 2018, this team is competing with the Boston Red Sox. Now, Mo, I hate the Red Sox, so I'll let you talk about it. <laughs>
1: Well, they acquired Chris Sale, Mister. I'm gonna cut up throwback uniforms yeah. if I don't like him. Yeah, buddy. I mean, for for him, I guess, great move. He leads an organization that hasn't done pretty much anything since they won the World won the World Series in I believe 2005. I know they did lose in the NLDS three uh, one a few years back, not a few but a, a while back. Mm. But Red Sox get Chris Sale, and when it showed up on my phone, the Bleach Report app immediately tells me when a quote-unquote blockbuster trade goes through. A lot of people were comparing the, the Red Sox pitching staff to the Warriors lineup. Now, I don't understand that. Maybe you can clear that up for me, Mike. But I saw a photo where it had a split screen and it had the Warriors on one side and they had the Red Sox pitchers on the other side. Now, my question to you is, is it that big of a deal? Because I, I get it. Chris Sale is a name player. We, You know, a lot of people know who Chris Sale is. I know who Chris Sale is, okay? What is it that big of a deal for the Red Sox? And if if so, are the Red Sox the favorite in that division for another year?
0: It's a big deal because anytime you get a a pitcher of that caliber, he can make a difference. But I always put a warning label. It's a pitcher. It's once every five days. So it's not like you're acquiring a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper who's going to go out there and play 150, 155 out of 162. Okay? That... That's the guy that you want that is going to be, and according to Brian Cashman of the New York Yankees, the general manager, he's the one that started this freaking quote that now won't die, you know, the new super team. Uh, he said, you know, they're the Warriors. They had their Draymond. They had their Clay Thompson. Now they've got their Steph Curry. Well, I mean, that's fine, but Steph Curry plays a lot more than once every five days, so I mean, I get it. He's, I mean, he's maybe he's trying to put more pressure on on the red sox you know it's called gamesmanship it makes sense i mean they are probably that the 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 favorite to win that division i mean they won it last year so they have the reigning uh they have the reigning cy young award winner and rick porcello i just i'm curious to see what happens because rick porcello you know was their best pitcher last year now he's going to be bumped to three does that screw with his psyche because he went from being the man to now being a number three option he don't get me wrong; could be the best number three B option in baseball. Uh, it probably helps David Price more because he was pretty you know, average at best last year. After signing like a two hundred and eighteen million dollar contract, uh, he'll he'll slide into that number two role, so it'll definitely help him. And again, Sale is a good pitcher, but you know he's twenty seven, and uh, and there were some concerns about his arm. He didn't pitch as well as he typically did. I mean, he was seventeen and ten last year, thirty two starts in a three point three four ERA, which is good, but. You know 3.34 year is a little high so again the Boston Red Sox are gonna hit uh if they can get you know what they expect out of Chris Hill, they'll make the playoffs but I still it's still more than one guy it's still more than one pitcher you need those other pieces to step up they lose David Ortiz then went out and signed you know Mitch Moreland and a couple guys that uh, I don't care if you put them together and let them hit at the same time it's not gonna make up for David Ortiz so Uh, You know let's pump the brakes on the super team Let's pump the brakes on the the, you know the the, the Golden State Warriors because you know like I said Well what does that make the the, the Yankees then are they are they the Lakers Are they up and coming are they the Knicks God forbid because I mean (laughs) I I don't I don't know I, I get Worried when we're comparing two completely Different sports but Hey, so be it so you know good trade for them I'm, I'm glad the yankees did something in you know retribution went out and got their guy so you know it pulls a little bit back of the focus but uh hey man anytime we're talking baseball in december for me is a great thing
1: and that is peter Gammons, the younger version folks <laughs> Much, knowledge on you all over the mic all over the but place now we're gonna switch over to nba well not even on the court but I just have to address this because this has been boiling over for the past two, three weeks. This whole LeBron James posse, Carmelo Anthony's ball hog, Phil Jackson stuff needs to stop. It's very high schoolish at this point because this is how it starts. Okay, we all remember uh, Phil Jackson referred to LeBron James associates as a posse, right? So then the Cavs come to Madison Square Garden to play the Knicks last week, and they kill the Knicks. At the end of that game, when LeBron James is on the sideline on the bench with his buddies, they're doing the water bottle challenge. And for those of you who don't know what the water bottle challenge is, you flip a water bottle up in the air and hope that it lands upright. Basically, it, it looks it's pretty cool. You do it. And it, it's all science-y because the water bottle is full, so it would stick a landing basically, almost like a gymnastics type of thing. But anyway, LeBron James was flipping a water bottle on the on the sideline, court side, I should say. So far that the water bottle actually got on the court during the game. Now, players weren't playing and no one was stepped on anything, but it was clear that LeBron James and his teammates were clowning on court side. And people said the media blew this up and said it was disrespectful and it was a retribution act to Phil Jackson calling his group a posse. Now a lot of people jumped on this of course, because they hate LeBron James. And they said this is immature. And if you want to be if you want to be treated like someone's mature, then you have to act like it. And I get that perspective. But to me, it was pretty harmless. I mean, the game was over. The players didn't really react to it in the post game. It wasn't until the media blew it up and played it 55 times on replay on loop that everyone started talking about it and that this is the biggest snub. This is LeBron James thumbing his nose at Phil Jackson for his posse comment. Then Phil Jackson has an interview where basically he calls Carmelo Anthony a ball hog. Basically, he said Carmelo Anthony can play Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant in a triangle. But sometimes he holds the ball more than two seconds, which, which makes it the triangle effective because you have to move the ball around. So basically he said he holds the ball for maybe three, four, or five seconds. And we need him to pass the ball. And when asked about it, after after a game, Carmelo Anthony basically said, look, I don't want to talk about it. I don't even really know what he said. Whatever he said, that's what he said. I don't want to comment or address it. And I think Carmelo Anthony is the one person in this situation who's handled this whole deal perfectly. I, yes, I get it. He does hold the ball. If you watch a Knicks game, you'll hear the booze when Carmel Anthony goes ice, so with the ball, he's holding it. Sometimes he scores, sometimes he doesn't. But his decision not to address Phil Jackson's comments, perfect. I, I was on with LeBron James, too. Like, I don't have a big offense to the whole water bottle challenge, but I, I, I know LeBron James enough. I don't know him, but I've I watched him enough to know that he's very passive-aggressive, and he would do something like that to kind of... You know, shoot back at Phil Jackson for his comments. So I, I see that as a possibility on LeBron's part. Like, he wasn't going to talk about Phil Jackson to the media, but he was going to do something. He was going to go to Madison Square Garden. He was going to play hard because those guys did play hard to blow up the Knicks. They made sure that they made a statement in that building with Phil Jackson watching. And then to kind of say, you know, we don't even care enough to watch the rest of the game. We're just going to do some stupid water bottle challenge courtside. So I get what LeBron did there. It was very passive aggressive, but that's just how he is. But Phil Jackson just needs to shut up. Just shut up. Like we don't need any more Phil Jackson comments. And I get it. This is the whole Jedi mind trick thing because he did these type of things to Jordan and Kobe. But he's out here playing with everyone's feelings in the media. Like he's just out here saying what he wants to say. And Phil Jackson right now at this point in his mid-70s, he's he's that old person that's just gonna say whatever's on his mind. He doesn't care whose feelings are hurt. Cause we all have the saying where, you know, the older you get, the more blunt you get, you just say things. You just say whatever pops into your say, hey, you don't care about guarding people's feelings or how is this person going to feel if I say that? Phil does not care, okay? He's just going to say what he feels, and that's it. And I read somewhere that Mello and Phil Jackson often have these dinner dates where they talk about things. And after this whole posse comment with LeBron and how LeBron's treating Phil Jackson, saying he lost respect for him and this ball hog comment, I think those dinner dates are going to stop. And Stephen A. Smith of ESPN is even... Indicating that maybe Mello is not so happy in New York, he may go elsewhere if if this keeps going on. If Bill Jackson keeps talking out of his mouth sideways, Mello may eventually say, you know what? I'm just going to go somewhere else and win a championship and move on, which I don't blame him. I don't blame him if he does.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Melo keeps dropping 33, even though it's on 9 of 22 shooting, if he wants to go elsewhere, somebody will take him, even with that, you know, fat contract. But it's just a shame because this team is 13 and 10, same record as Boston right now, who, you know, everybody predicted to be, you know, a four seed. Uh, And and that's really what we should be talking about. We should be talking about Porzingis steadily becoming you know the best player on this team and and Carmelo having a really nice year and Noah you know hopefully staying healthy and Rose is looking good but we're talking about nonsense that like you said maybe this is Phil's way of motivating and taking pressure off of his team because instead of talking about what we're doing on the court we're talking about you know a comment that you know may or may not have been directed you know inappropriately or or taken out of just I don't know. But uh, yeah, regardless, let's, we just need to get through this one way or the other. Either these these guys need to come to a conclusion and say, you know, put water under the bridge or Carmelo needs to say I want out because or Phil quits. I mean, it's got to be something because we can't talk about this, uh, you know, through Christmas Day when the season really starts to get good. And then, you know, it's only going to get harder from there.
1: The thing is, I understand people saying, well, Phil did this with Kobe and Jordan. You got to understand, you have to deal with not all star players are of the same mold. Star players are going to react to things, especially in today's media. You got to understand, too, that, yeah, Kobe grew up in the media age, but Jordan wasn't in the media age. It wasn't like it is today where you got Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and everyone's chirping about it. Now, when somebody comes out and says something, we dissect it a hundred different ways, and you have to hear about it all day, all week, sometimes for the whole entire month. And I don't think Melo's psyche is strong enough to handle all that criticism, especially coming from his owner. I don't know if you saw the commercial with Carmelo Anthony. Basically, he's shooting back at his critics and saying, you talk about all of the, basically, you're poo-pooing all this stuff that I've done. You know, I'm a three-time Olympic gold winner. I've done this. I've done that. And they're saying, well, he doesn't have any championships, so that diminishes all his accomplishments. And basically, he's saying, if you don't play ball, then you don't have a you don't have a reason to to put your criticism out there because you've never played the game. Until you have played the game, then you will never understand or fully appreciate what I've done for the game. And again, I it was a cool commercial because it's Carm- This is who Carmelo is. Basically, and this is him answering his critics, and I have a problem with that. But if you saw his Instagram after the whole Phil Jackson. Uh, thing happened he had Muhammad Muhammad Ali picture with bow and arrow shot through his body basically saying you know you can take shots at me and I'm gonna keep on fighting but he hears the criticism he does have a little bit of rabbit ears he does hear people talk about him and he, he will react and you just hope that he reacts more so on the court than off the court and on social media
0: Well, earlier in the show, Mo said that he should have played baseball because he wants to be Bryce Harper in his $400 million. What about if he was Chandler Parsons, who just signed a $94 million deal and has only played in six games this year? And if he were to play anymore, you know, these guys only play 82 games a year. So, Mo, what is going on with Chandler? I mean, we know that the Mavericks right now have, if not the worst, one of the worst records in all of basketball. I mean... What's going to happen with this team? Is Chandler going to play, and when does Rick Carlisle get fired?
1: Well, okay, number one, uh, as we all know now, Chandler Parsons is now with the Grizzlies. signed with the Grizzlies for years, for $94 million. Mm-hmm. He's only played six games this year. That I believe he's Mike Conley's boy. Uh, I mean, to, Chandler Parsons reminds me of the cool kid. Do you remember the cool kid in high school who used to just show up late for class with his backwards fitted on and his nice clothes, and he would just come in and be like, "Yo, what up? I'm here." So you know, it was me. Don't really care, but yeah. he thought he was somebody, but everyone else was like, "Who is this kid?" That's that's Chandler Parsons. Like, who cares <laughs> about Chandler Parsons? no, I'm not trying to be mean here. I know Chandler Parsons is your boy. Yep. I believe from Orlando, whatever it is, yeah. I don't know. But he's connected more connected to you than me. But who the hell is Chandler Parsons? Like, this dude, like, he played for the Dallas Mavericks. He was cozy, cozy with Mark Cuban for a while. He played for the Houston Rockets. Now he's with the Grizzlies. Only played for six games this year. Had another knee injury. So he hasn't even been a factor this year. And and, and we're all talking about J- Chandler Parsons. Like, oh, my gosh, if we lose Chandler Parsons for the year, what are we going to do? Oh, please, give me a break. I, I mean, I'm more devastated about Mike Conley going out. Mike Conley's on my fantasy team. That's why I'm more concerned with him. Mm. But I mean, let's be honest. Chandler Parsons is maybe what's on this team that's offensively challenged sometimes. He is still maybe the third or fourth best player. I mean, he's behind Marcus Saul, Mike Conley on the totem pole. And I would even say if, if Zach Randolph was still starting, I'll take Zach Randolph over Chandler Parsons. I don't get it. I don't get what the hubbub is about him, but he is not important to me. Just
0: not there. There it is. Mo hating the player and not the game when it should be the other way around. I oh, mean, sorry. he's a fine <laughs> player. Yeah, I mean, he's severely overpaid. Uh, and, you know, it was obviously a very smart decision by the Mavericks to not sign him, even though they're really, really bad this year. But, you know, who knows? Right now, the Grizzlies actually beat up the Warriors tonight. So, you know, maybe they don't need them. Maybe they can let them, you know, get that knee surgery and miss most of the season, if not all of it. You know, they were not many people predicted the Grizzlies to make the playoffs. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball to go. But they look... Pretty good. So that's it. What? You got more? You got more?
1: more? It's so hot right now. How you feel your boy, Chandler Parsons, went to Orlando Magic? Would that be great for you? Would you jump up and down? Would
0: you, like, throw a party for that? No, that was talk. That was actually a lot of talk. That was, uh... I was actually surprised when he signed with the Grizzlies. I thought he was coming to the Magic, and that Magic, are horrendous right now. Talk about another bad team. They're actually thinking of sending Hazonia, who would last year was a top 10 pick, to the D-League, because he's only played, like, seven minutes a game. So uh yeah i mean i re- we read a whole thing the other day on you know we talked about it last week how it looks like the gm is finally going to get the boot but man frank vogel what what is going on my man i mean you're you haven't been there very long but it's not getting any better right now but
1: man. yeah you, it gives some time i you know i believe in frank vogel i wanted him to coach the Knicks personally but i'm really liking what i'm seeing for jeff hornacek and his rotations you know maybe underestimated him a little bit he did do a fine job with the phoenix suns who didn't have the best talent but he had a talented backcourt but the Atlanta Magic. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where they're going. I. I think they're gonna. They're obviously gonna give Frank Vogel some time to get it together. But he's gonna have to really mold his team. I. I, I didn't like the fact that they get. They got rid of Victor Oladipo because I felt like Victor Oladipo could be a pretty good player. I mean, he's not an A one player. He's not your top player. Not your best player. But his athleticism. I don't know if you saw, but he. He dunked on somebody. He dunked on <laughs> Dwight Howard last week. When I saw that, I was like, this kid. He has talent. He can score. He can defend. He plays both ends of the court. And I think the Magic really, if they had him, they'd be a better team. Yeah. Again, they'll give Frank Vogel a chance, but that team's gonna have to really change things around from the front office. They're gonna have to make better decisions, starting with the draft.
0: One quick question for you, because I, uh, you know, it's it's an honest question. The fact that Russell Westbrook is having you know an insane first couple you know weeks here in the NBA season. And it seems like he's just not getting talked about that much. I mean, we haven't here really on the Mike and Mo Show talked about him. Is it because he's on go- He's on a team that, you know, we don't know if there's anything on there that's going to help him actually win in the playoffs? Uh, or is it just because no one really can believe what he's doing with these triple-doubles?
1: You know, what's, it's funny. It depends on what circle you're in. Because I, I watch a lot of NBA TV, and a lot of people are making a big deal of Russell Westbrook. Of course, we haven't talked about it simply because I think – you and I both agree that the NBA doesn't really get interesting. We don't really zone into the NBA until Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when we start really talking about the NBA, that's when we'll probably lead the show with a lot more topics and talk about what's going on. But, you know, I give him props, I and I saw this coming. I think a part of it is we saw this coming because who, who else is there? I mean, who else is going to grab the rebounds? Yeah. Who else is going to pass around the ball? Who else is going to score the basketball? We expected Russell Westbrook's numbers to be fabulous, okay? Him and James Harden had a had a game last night and they were talking basically comparing them and saying these two guys are are you know stat machines and they're gonna go at it for that MVP, especially if they if they had better teams, they were battling for maybe the one, two, three spot, more of a chance. But this is this is the first year, I guess, in a while that an MVP can come out of a team that's not in the top three in the in the conference, in their conference, because these two guys are playing so well. They're, they're, they're threatening for triple doubles nearly every day they play, and it's amazing to see, but I think you'll hear it a lot more as we approach Christmas Day, and once we, after Christmas, you'll hear it even more as we get into crunch time, because the NBA will be in full swing, the NFL will be out of the way, baseball will be out of the way, and it's basically basketball and hockey, and you, as we all know, we talk about hockey a lot here, don't we, so of course, we're going to talk a lot about Westbrook. <laughs> And Harden going for that MVP with their with their triple double machine. Cell. So, so yeah. we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm really I'm I'm excited for, for Westbrook because he seems a lot happier that now he doesn't have to share the ball with Kevin Durant. He gets to be the man, and this is now his team.
0: Yeah, I just wonder how long he can keep up this level of energy and play because it's it is you know playing at this level every night for eighty two games is almost impossible.
1: Yeah, they say he's he's the energizer bunny of the of the NBA, but as we all know, it, you know when he was with Kevin Durant, he had a couple of seasons when he struggled with injuries.
0: Yeah, that's so, well, yeah, true. I mean, Allen Allen Iverson was little and he played hard, but eventually it came to an end, and it came down hard when it did. Well, that's it. We're gonna come right back with a wrap up. We're gonna give you your NFL picks for the week. Talk a little fantasy, and we'll uh, maybe talk a little Kim Kardashian. What? We'll be right back. Yeah. The wrap up. All right, let's get into it. It's the picks week's 14. Opening game. One o'clock. We got the Steelers and the Bills. I'm taking Big Ben. He looks uh he looks healthy for the first time in a little while and uh they're clicking on all cylinders. But Shady McCoy, he's trying to keep this team in the playoff hunt. So Mo, are you going with my pick?
1: Yeah, I'm going with the Steelers. I watched the Bills play the Raiders uh last week. And even the Sean McCoy went off against the Raiders. I believe the, the Raiders gave up 212 rushing yards, and the Raiders still won because the Bills' offense just not that great. Uh, Tyrod Taylor has been in the media because now they're just saying reports are out that the Bills are kind of frustrated that he's not he's not a he's not a quarterback that can really drive the ball downfield. He's more of a game manager, and he wasn't really too happy with that. He did sign a big deal in the offseason, be five years, ninety something million. Hmm. And, but the Bills have an out where they can let him go and recoup a lot of that cash. So yeah. he's got to show something I think that's going to get to, get in his head and the Steelers win this game.
0: Let it go. Let Tyrod go. Uh, moving on, the Chargers and the Panthers. I don't trust either of these teams, but I'm taking the home team going with the Panthers.
1: Have you not seen the Panthers? Like This dude, Cam Newton, has a dress code by <laughs> They sent Eric Anderson out there. He throws a pick, and they look garbage for the rest of yeah. the game. I know Seattle's defense is good. But even when Earl Thomas went down, they couldn't do anything. The Panthers are garbage. They don't even have Luke Kuechly, their leader on defense, on the field. No Josh Norman. This team is in the toilet bowl. The Chargers are going to win this game.
0: All right. Bengals-Browns talking about toilet bowl. Um yeah, going with the Bengals just because I can't go with the Browns with, the, with my, you know, any kind of regularity.
1: Uh, like I said earlier in the show, RG3 is back, but it's not going to make a difference because the Browns and the Bengals are just not going to slip. Uh, a Hugh Jackson's facing this former team, which could give them the edge. I think this game could go into overtime, even if the Bengals do win it. You you know, it could be close, and it could go into overtime, but Bengals win it slightly.
0: Bears are taking on my Super Bowl sleeper, Detroit Lions. Let's go, Lions!
1: Really? Super Bowl sleeper? I'm I mean, going that far? I mean He's might, drinking the Matthew Stafford Kool-Aid
0: that much, huh? Yeah, I mean he he wants to get paid. So, you know, he he read your book, How to Get Paid
1: in you know, one one, one year. So <laughs> hey, you know what's so funny? Years ago we we if we would have we would have had a heated debate, not us, but sports analysts would have debated who's the better quarterback Jay Cutler or Matthew Stafford and it would have probably been 50-50 yeah. now it's not even clear it's clear 100 it's not even a, it's not even a debate no you
0: know? it's really not Matt
1: Stafford is, is way better than Jay Cutler and the Bears don't have direction Yes, they beat the 49ers in a snowy snow glow game last week but they're not going to beat the Lions the Lions could win that division and they're playing well and they're at home the Lions win
0: the Texans and the Colts, and no, I'm not picking the Colts just because they made the Jets look like, you know, a girls' JV soccer team last week. I'm picking it because Andrew Luck looks, he looks starting to look like the Andrew Luck of like two and a half years ago. And T.Y. Hilton's really, really good, even though he's three foot seven. And if Frank Gore can get some holes open for him, this team's got a good offense. No, they have nothing on defense, but it's Brock Osweiler. He'll probably throw an interception to himself during the game. So go with the Colts.
1: Shout out to every girl's JV soccer team on the college level. <laughs> you know, we support y'all. I love it. I love you. you this game because the, te- the Texans stink. Brock Oswald is not playing well. I, I expect that Brock Oswald to play a lot better than he has been, but it's just not clicking. Texans are not going to win this division again this year. The Colts, Andrew Luck, you saw him on, on Monday Night Football. Yes, it was against the Jets, but I think once he's right, the Colts are right. The Colts are going to win this game.
0: Vikings and Jaguars here in Florida, people are talking, you know, is – is uh, what's his name? I can't even remember his name anymore.
1: Bortles.
0: Yeah, is Bortles the answer? They're already already talking how he may not be the the answer to winning games in Jacksonville because of poor mechanics. So I think you got to get rid of the coach first and then, you know, try to get somebody in there that's a guru of sorts with quarterbacks and really work with him. Otherwise, yeah, it may not work. So regardless of taking the Vikings, even though that's another team – Headed in the wrong
1: direction fast. I'm thinking of Vikings, but fans crack me up because it was just last year that Burles was like the crown jewel yeah. of the 2014 draft when he threw for 35 touchdowns and had 18 interceptions, and everyone said Jacksonville's on the come up. Blake Burles is great. <laughs> now he had one stinky <laughs> season. Now you want to replace him with Chad Henny Yeah. Like, let's let's just step off the ledge because the Raiders fans are this too. On Thursday night, after their loss, they were talking about, oh, maybe Derek Carr needs to sit down the game. I mean, can we please stop? Can we please stop it? Why does one bad performance wipe out whole resume? And it, should, it shouldn't it should be true for Blake Boyles. I just think they need an offensive-minded head coach, and he'll be fine. Jaguars fans, step off the ledge. The offense will be fine. He just needs the right guide in the head coaching position, and he'll be fine. But the Vikings will, will win this game in a lack
0: yeah and i also think you gotta blame the gm i mean he went out and signed chris ivory that's been a bust he signed julius thomas two years ago that's been a bust i mean it, it you know they're signing guys who you know are coming off of good years but you know when you look at them are they really that great of players and well, what they're in the right system denver the jets when they were good so uh you know maybe they need to really clean house and start from scratch as far as you know personnel is concerned uh it's gonna move to the cardinals and the dolphins uh, Mo is apparently back in the Ryan Tannehill's good graces. I know uh, I'm not, so I'm taking Arizona just because they got they need they need to save their coach's job. Bruce Arians in a little bit of trouble. I don't uh, I don't know if they uh, pulled the trigger on giving him the kibosh at the end of the season, but they have definitely underwhelmed hard this season. Yeah,
1: they've underwhelmed hard at the coming of the ASC NFC Championship game. I I expect them to be. One of the best teams in the league, and they're nowhere close. But they're they're hanging on to their season just by a thin thread. They beat the Redskins last week, which surprised me. I think they're going to continue to hang on and beat the Dolphins. That offense uh, seems like it could it could catch fire. And as we know, uh, as we all know, the Dolphins are susceptible. They gave up 38 points to the Ravens last week, so. I, i'm taking
0: the cardinals here sean jackson may get a chance to burn his old team before going back to them hopefully you listen to the start of the show but it's the redskins and the eagles you got to take the redskins because kirk cousins is the man oh my
1: goodness i, I said this on Twitter. this dude you are the biggest kirk cousins fan. Like, yep
0: serious. i want him to be I'm the sure. jets quarterback next year mo what can i say i'm sorry
1: I'm sure you have the – what's his his phrase? you like that? I'm sure you have that T-shirt. You like that? You like that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do have it. But like I said, I apologize to Kirk Cousins. I call him a fraud. He's not a fraud when he has weapons. But uh, (laughs) he's going to win this – well, he, the Redskins, are going to win this game against the Eagles because the Eagles have fallen off the cliff. And as I said earlier in the show, they basically – figured teams have figured out Carson Wentz and that offense, Doug Peterson – Looks like a uh, a JV head coach again, mm. and he's going to continue to lose. The Redskins are going to continue to win as they fight for a playoff
0: spot. The, the truth, Trevor Simeon is back out of the walking boot this week, so the Broncos will take down the Titans because as much as I like Marcus Mariota and as well as DeMarco Murray has played this year, this team is so inconsistent on the defensive side of the ball, and as long as the truth, Trevor Simeon is behind center, we're going to put some points on the board.
1: You know what? I, it, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, it. and I originally picked the Broncos to win this game, but I am Switching sitting it? here and I'm thinking about it now, and I'm almost talking myself out of it because the Broncos' run defense is horrible. The Raiders ran all over them. The Titans ran all over them in week nine. The Titans, what did they do best? Run the ball. They got DeMarco Murray, they got Derrick Henry, the former Heisman. And they run and they they're coming off a bye, so they're well rested. And I think this is a team that could if any surprises happen this week, the Titans could surprise the Denver Broncos. But you know what? I'm still gonna roll with Denver only because I don't like to go against my instinct. But I will be so pissed at myself if the Titans win, because I told you here first that <laughs> the Titans can expose the Broncos' weakness, and that's their run defense. So I'm not surprised. If the Titans win, but I'm going Denver.
0: Yeah, so if you're near a casino, take Moe's advice. Put $5 on the Broncos and $5 on the Titans. That way you can't <laughs> lose.
1: Exactly. Perfect. I mean, you got to put both
0: sides of the fence sometimes. Perfect. Oh, that's a terrible idea. The Jets, the 49ers, another terrible idea. I'm taking the Jets because I just can't see them dropping a game to Colin Kaepernick and company. I mean, both of them are really bad. But you just have to think that as long as you got Brandon Marshall and Matt Forte on the field – and some semblance of a defense that you could stop Colin Kaepernick because he has a ramen noodle arm. Oh my gosh!
1: Did, and, did you watch the Jets Rams game? Yeah. Right, He started that. Well, it was like nine to six. Yeah, and, yeah, and I saw six, that. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, believe it or not, besides last week's stinker in the snow, yeah. Colin Kaepernick fantasy wise has done well. He's been able. He's a dual threat quarterback, so don't talk him. He got the ball, and and we all know Daryl Rivas is washed up already. uh, Calvin Pryor has concussion I think the 49ers can win this game I'm picking the 49ers here It's in San Francisco, Chip Kelly May put up points against this Jets defense That's struggling You got Todd Bowles out here who didn't tell Ryan Fitzpatrick He was being demoted, that That may sour the locker room I I think Uh he's on the borderline Of losing this locker room This Jets locker room, and it could be a problem I don't think they fire him I think they continue to lose. The 49ers win this game.
0: Fireballs. Bring in John Gruden. Give him whatever he wants. We're getting back to prominence. I'm starting a Twitter account. Yeah, bring back Jake Plummer, too. Ooh, I like it. Is he available? Actually, he's too busy talking about cannabis and uh, hemp oil and all that, so he's a little busy right now. Uh, Seahawks and the Packers. It looks like, I I don't know, Devontae Adams totally screwed me. Uh, Because of him, I am no longer in the fantasy playoffs because he got me two points last week, so thank you very much, Devontae. Uh, But regardless, Jordy Nelson, it looks like the man, Aaron Rodgers, is on a mission, and we talked that Earl Thomas is out for the year. So I'm taking Green Bay, Seahawks, big disappointment this season.
1: Yeah, people just don't understand how to read the Packers. People are saying, oh, the Packers are losing because of Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't because of Aaron Rodgers. It's because their secondary was banged up. Now they're getting their cornerbacks back on the field. Okay, so now you have a balanced, a more balanced team. Still weak at the linebacker position, but when you have your cornerbacks in there, it's going to balance that. It's going to it's going to take pressure off of Aaron Rodgers, so he doesn't have to put up 35, 40 points to win a football game. So the Packers are going to win this. As we spoke, earlier in the show, Earl Thomas is out, which is going to be huge in this game. Aaron Rodgers is going to sling it, and the Packers are going to win it. You
0: know, Mo often posts throwback Tuesday pictures of himself on Facebook, and there was one this week. He looked like a young Jeff Fisher. He had this sweet mustache. So maybe that's why he's picking them against the Falcons, because I can't think of another reason. I'm taking the Falcons, Mo. There's
1: there's a reason I'm picking the Falcons, because I have inside information. Apparently, if Julio Jones, who is a game-time decision, plays he is going to be He's going to be nothing more than the decoy out in the field, which means Mohamed Sanu is your number one option. I like it. I'm not comfortable with Sanu as a number one option. Rams' defense is still pretty decent at times. It could show up and shut teams down. I believe it held that they beat the Seattle Seahawks early in the year. So the Falcons' offense is not rolling on all cylinders, which it won't be because Julio Jones is, again, if he plays nothing more than a decoy, the Rams win this game. They run the ball with Todd Gurley. And Jer- Jared Goff throws for two touchdowns against that weak secondary. I'm taking the upset special here. I'm going with the Rams.
0: You cray cray. Uh the Saints and the Bucks, I can't I just can't bring myself to root for Tampa, but Jameis Winston is moments he has moments where he's very good. And I and I watched most of that New Orleans Detroit game last week and Drew Brees looked confused. I I don't know what's going on with him. First time he hasn't thrown for a touchdown since like nineteen seventy-four. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Tampa just because there's
1: an outside shot that they still make the playoffs. Reports are that Mike Smith has done really good with disguising coverages on his defense, and this is why the Bucs are winning football games now. And, of course, as I said with Aaron Rodgers, when your defense is playing a lot better, it takes pressure off your offense to put up a lot of points to win football games. That's what's happening. The Saints on the road aren't as good as the Saints at home. They're on the road against the Bucs, who are on a tear right now. The Bucs could—actually, they, they could. If my predictions are right, the Bucs would be alone at the top of NFC South if the Bucs lose— and I, as I'm picking them to win this game against the Saints, Bucks looking up. I criticize them for letting go of Lovey Smith too early. It looks like it was a good. It was a good decision to promote Dirk Cutter. And Mike Smith is doing his thing on the defensive side of the ball. Game of the week:
0: Cowboys and the Giants. It's a tough one. I, I hate to go against a, a New York team, uh, but with losing J, JPP for the season, I dare you. I know. I just gotta go Cowboys. I'm sorry.
1: Traitor, okay, (laughs) let me explain to you why the Giants are going to win this game. They're going to win this game for the simple reason they won week one, is because they match up well against the Cowboys' offensive line and running back Ezekiel Elliott. I believe Ezekiel Elliott had his lowest output. Actually, the Cowboys had their lowest output in rushing yards against the Giants. And primarily it's because they had Damon Harrison, who played with the Jets, as their best run stopper, and I think that's going to factor into this game at the Meadowlands. I think the Giants surprise a lot of people, and they sweep the season series with the Cowboys, and they actually they actually give the Cowboys their second loss and end that 11-game win streak, and I'm going with the Giants.
0: I would love to see it, but Mo, the Cowboys lost their first game because Terrence Williams didn't go out of bounds.
1: Oh please stop it! Let's stop it. Okay, we're blaming this on Terrence Williams. Yep. This is what we're doing. Yep. We're taking it down to one play and yep. blaming it on Terrence Williams, who absolutely no one knows outside of Dallas in
0: our show. Oh stop it! That's not true. He was a fine Baylor wide receiver.
1: Who remembers? Him? I don't remember him from Baylor. I, I remember RG three. Yeah, it was and him. It,
0: it was him, Josh Gordon, and and Terrence Williams.
1: And who, who remembers Terrence Williams? Seriously, anyone out there listening to the show, if you remember Terrence yeah, Williams, tweet us. See me at O-MOTON. That's at me at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. At me and sh- and tell me how hey, you remember yep. Terrence Williams from Baylor. And I will I will give you a shout-out on my Twitter, on my Facebook, and say, hey, this is a person that remembers Terrence Williams from college because I sure don't.
0: Can I get a shout-out on your uh, Twitter?
1: No, because oh, you God. can get enough shout-outs too much. <laughs> Real talk.
0: Um, <laughs> final game of the week, Monday night, the Ravens and the Patriots. There is no Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Dion Lewis is yet to be fully utilized in that offense. Nope. Uh, it's going to be interesting. The Ravens got a lot to play for. The defense has looked really good, but Joe Flacco just can't seem to get them in the end zone. No, no, they do have the best kicker on the planet. Uh, the kid Tucker can kick from anywhere inside the stadium, it appears. He, he hasn't missed a kick all year. And this game could come down to two of the better kickers in all of the games. So with that being said, I'm still taking New England because that's at home and it's going to be cold. So I, I don't expect uh, you know a ton of offense in this game. So you build up the Ravens. Yep. Pick. yep. I, I, d- I learned that from you.
1: Yeah, I do that a lot. But that, that's my MO. How are you going to steal my Steve's, okay? I, look, I was going to pick the Ravens to win this game. But then I snapped out of it and said, hey, I picked an upset with the Rams. I'm picking an upset with the Giants. There are only a few upsets to go around per weekend. I already picked two, so I'm going with the Patriots here. I'm going with the safe pick. Um, The Patriots are rolling, even without Gronkowski. Malcolm Mitchell has come on. Danny Amendola is hurt again. Malcolm Mitchell has come on, and he had a quote, and people are passing it around saying he doesn't even know how to play fantasy. And my first thought was, that's Bill Belichick's type of player. Bill Belichick's ideal football player is a guy who cares – Only about football, real football, has a flip phone, drives an old car, and and probably plays with Pokemon cards on his free time. That's Bill Belichick's type of player. And Michael Mitchell is that. The Patriots are good even without Gronkowski. They're just not as effective in the red zone. I think they'll be able to move the ball, but they're not going to score a lot of points. I agree with you on it. It'll be a close game. It'll come down to a field goal, but it'll be the Patriots in the game-winning
0: field goal on Monday Night Football. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to let you talk about fantasy football because I'm still devastated that, you know, Devontae Adams cost me, you know, what could have been a magical comeback run after losing every fantasy stud via injury. So, Mo, why don't you tell the good folks how you have gone on to the playoffs, <laughs> and I have not. I I,
1: I You know what? I, I feel kind of sad because <laughs> I'm going on to the playoffs without my co-host here, uh-huh. and, I, and I feel like This is a moment where we could have celebrated together and said, hey, you know, I'm in one matchup, you're in the other matchup. Yep. Let's do this as a team for once instead of going at each other's throats and let's, you know, let's meet in the championship game in our league. But, you know, since Mike let me down Mm -hmm. again Again. and he couldn't come through with Devontae Adams and he's now in the consolation bracket. Yeah, great. I have to carry this show on my back, okay? On my back, all right? I have to take it to the promised land. I have to go in, win these two games for our show, for the dignity, for the respect. Respect. To put respect on both our names. I'm going against Justin Huffman, who's right now up 16-0 because my boy Latavius Murray had a good Thursday night, even though the Raiders lost, gave him 16 points. But I'm pretty confident that I'm going to pull out the victory. He does have Julio Jones, so I hope Julio Jones plays and he is a decoy because that would force him to keep Julio in the lineup and then give him zero points. So, if that works out the way it's supposed to, and Cam Newton has a good game, I am picking the Chargers, but I think Cam Newton will have a decent game. I should pull it out and advance to the championship round in the Mike versus Mo versus the World Fantasy Football League. But again, shout out to Mike. He did have a good record. It just wasn't enough. Eight and five. So, so your boy Mo... Is gonna carry the load here and and take it to the house and win this one for not just me, not just Mike, but everyone the watching world. the show and all our supporters.
0: Yes, yeah, so well, I'm rooting for you, but I am looking at your your roster right now, and I just have to ask you, why in the world do you have Theo Riddick on the bench? What what is your reasoning? I mean, you have you have Baldwin at the Flex, and you have Dante Moncrief, which I don't know if you've got some, you know, Jay Glazer type inside information, but I would I would stick him far, far away from my starting lineup. I mean, between that and Ladarius Green as your tight end, Mo, how in the
1: world do you have Riddick on the bench?
0: Let me explain. Let a champion. Uh, you haven't won anything playoffs,
1: yet. Explain to someone who's not in the playoffs. Let me explain to you something real quick, okay. okay? First of all, number one. Theoretic, uh, he's not getting a lot of carries. Like he at the beginning of the season, he was getting some carries as the number one running back. But now it's kind of like that the Lions are running a three-headed monster where they have this guy Zinner, and then they have DeAndre, uh, Dwayne watched. DeAndre's with the Raiders. They have Dwayne Washington. So you don't really know who's gonna get the carries, but the last two weeks, Theoretic has a total of maybe six carries in two weeks. He's more of a receiver, and even though the Bears are terrible. They're really good at at playing defense. And I I should know this because I started the Vikings defense way back when, and the Bears shut them down. I know it's the Vikings offense, but the Bears play pretty good defense throughout. And they have played good defense in the last couple of weeks, even though their offense is putrid. So I worry that Theo Ray, number one, is not going to get carried, so he's not going to give you any points there, and they're going to limit him in the receiving game. Now, I will tell you this. If Marvin Jones, who is questionable in a game-time decision, if Marvin Jones doesn't play, I'm gonna start Theo Riddick because that means there's more targets to go around. Yeah. But with Marvin Jones in the lineup, and you got Golden Tate, and you got Anquan Boldin, all three of those receivers, Theo Riddick is a fourth option wide receiver. Now I have I have Doug Baldwin in there as a placeholder. I'm I'm not sure if I'm gonna start him yet, but, but because the Packers, even though the Packers had their cornerbacks back, Doug Baldwin plays a lot out of the spot, and I think he'll be effective because despite the Seahawks' hit or miss offense. He's still leading in targets. He is still the number one target in that offense. And I know the Seahawks do well running the ball, but I think if if, any, if anyone scores a you know a receiving touchdown, it's going to be Doug Baldwin. I am itching to put Michael Thomas in the starting lineup because he has burned me when when I have put him on the bench. But again, he you know the Saints are on the roll. Brees didn't look good last week, so I kind of left him on the bench, and he's hurt. But um, I don't know. You asked about Moncrief and. Moncrief is probably the easiest explanation I can give you. This is something that a lot of people don't know. In games that Moncrief has started and finished, he scored a touchdown in each of those games. Every game, he scored a touchdown. has it failed. So I'm going to ride with what got me here, and that's Moncrief in the lineup, and he's scoring touchdowns. I ain't going to mess with it. So I'm going to roll with it and see what happens. Of course, like I said, there could be changes in that flex position. Again, if Marvin Jones doesn't play, then I will probably start Thea.
0: All right. Well, best of luck to you, Mo. I will get the I told you so button ready just in case. But hopefully, <laughs> you will take it for one and one and all to the championship game, potentially against Laura. Although, like I told you both on Twitter, I hope you both lose uh, oh, and everybody oh, what, what,
1: else. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is your suggestion for starting? Who would you start in that? Who would you? Who would you take out? Who would you start? In my lineup right now, since you since you can see it. I'm looking at it right now. What changes would you make if if you were me?
0: Well, I would definitely, without a doubt, put in Theoretic, so then you would have the option of Moncrief or Baldwin as the flex. And, you know, that's up to you if you feel strongly about Moncrief because Baldwin hasn't been great either, so – uh, I mean, obviously they are going against Green Bay, who has no secondary. So I mean, it's not a bad option. Uh, it's nice to have somebody at a four o'clock game as well instead of everybody at one. But yeah, I, I mean, I looked at your, I looked the last week, and you know, I know Moncrief had twelve, but so did Theo Riddick, and it wasn't a great week for Riddick. But like you said, he's more than a receiver. I, he's a he's a running back, but he's he's more than that. The guy's gonna get. In a PPR league, he's going to get you at least seven points probably in catches alone. So if he has one of those weeks where he runs one in and catches two or vice versa, it's going to get you crazy points. Like I think like it was like two weeks ago, he had like 21 points. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm all about riding everybody in Detroit right about now and and against the Bears. Oh my goodness gracious. It, it, you
1: know, it's just the Bears, that scares me so much. I've looked at all the analytics. Analytics, and they do well against receiving running backs they haven't a, a lot of passing yards so it kind of creeps me out to put theoretic in I don't want him to bust on me but it's it's just it didn't sound right but um <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of scared about putting him into the lineup because I do I for sure I'm, I'm riding with Mons because like I said he mm. scored in every game that he started and finished so I am definitely not moving him. Doug Baldwin is the only question mark for me. Ladarius Green went off last week, and I think he'll go off again because the Bills cannot guard the tight end position. So I'm pretty confident the Darius Green because the only alternative is Vance McDonald with the 49ers. Oh. And I'm, you know he he oh. screwed me last week and gave me like two points because 49ers offense was just horrible. Yeah. But if any changes I do make, if Theo Rick is my is my is my guy that I'm like, okay, I could, I may make that switch for Baldwin. But something just tells me that Baldwin's gonna have a big game because he he does this every year where it comes late in the season and he breaks out with like a three touchdown game and I'm and I'm like mad at myself for not starting him and it's it's, it's against the Packers and I know against the Packers the Seahawks are gonna have to score points.
0: All right, hey, you got there, do your thing, knock them dead. And uh, before we wrap up the show, is there any uh, world of information via the entertainment and media conglomerate that meet one another? Where am I? Where am I going with this? I don't know. But Mo, what's going on with Kim Kardashian? That's what I'm trying to say. I we don't
1: want to know about what Kim Kardashian is doing as long as she just stays away from our you know our athletes on our football teams. But apparently. The Raiders have garnered so much attention that Kim Kardashian is rumored to be cheating on Kanye West with Marquette King. Punter. Puns, punter. You know, the punter. The opening Raiders. Mm-hmm. And, and I, if this is mind-boggling to me, number one. I, I Yeah, I get it. Kim, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I understand Kim Kardashian loves black men. I get it, right? <laughs> I understand that. But I don't see how her and the Raiders punter get together and have a thing. Like, number one, I think it's kind of shady that, she's, that this is coming out because, as you all know, we, of course, this is a lighthearted segment, but Kanye, if you, if you don't know, he's got some issues. He was in, in the hospital for, you know, evaluation because he's, apparently he's depressed and he's going through these... Yeah, Mo,
0: Mo, Mo, you'd be depressed too if your girl was treating on you with a punter.
1: Yeah, I would be too, but I'm, I'm like... you. The Raiders don't need this right now. And I understand he's just a punter, so we can kind of just sweep it under the rug and act like it never happened. Mm -hmm. But look at the track record. Like, where is Reggie Bush right now? Where is Ray J right
0: now? Yeah, Chris Humphreys, baby.
1: Like, Chris Humphreys, (laughs) what are all these guys that she's messed with? And look look at what happened after, after. Look at the aftermath of things. And now you got Marquette King's probably one of the best punches in the game. And I'm not just saying that because he plays with Raiders, but the dude... He can, hit a, he can knock a punt a 60 yards down the field. He can dance. I think he's going to get a spot on Dancing with the Stars when the season's over. Oh, stop. But, yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> you, you got to see his Bronco dance. It's fantastic. But anyway, I saw um, the Chris
0: Kelsey dance. I saw that. That was good. You know what it, Travis I, Kelsey you know excuse me that? Yeah.
1: He, Kelsey did the dance in front of Marquette King and then Marquette King said well at least I don't have to get a reality show to get a girlfriend and I was like ooh
0: yeah but what's he talking about he's about to be on a reality show so shut up
1: So that's that's leading to my next comment <laughs> if Marquette King is gonna mess around with Kim Kardashian there needs to be Reggie McKenzie needs to add something to his contract that says look You cannot get on any reality show talking about your relationship or talking about anything Raiders related. Do not get in front of the cameras. Stay away from the limelight. You can mess around, Kim. I don't care what you do. You're a grown man. You do what you want. Just stay away from the cameras. I understand you're getting some spotlight now, but just calm down, chill out. Maybe have a little dinner date. Maybe you guys can go to a restaurant once a week until the season's over, but... Keep it low-key, dude. We don't need any distractors. We don't need any Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, Marquette King love triangle going on. This is this is way out of bounds. Marquette King, zip it up, wrap it up, whatever you got to do, just keep it under wraps and outside of football, keep it low-key. Okay? You know, this, is the, this is the
0: start of that East Coast, West Coast punter-rapper war that I've been talking about for like 15 years, Mo. So <laughs> be careful because clap, clap, you know what I'm saying?
1: Oh man, this is it, it's it's you know it's so you kind of saw this happening because you like okay the Raiders are ten and three everything's going great then they lose a Thursday night game that they should have won because they lost three turnovers and they should have won I'm not gonna harp on that though no and then you get this news come out about Marquette King and Kim Kardashian and you're just like of course yep <laughs> because what else could go wrong right <laughs> like besides that you know just. If I see Kim K on the sideline during a Raider game, yeah, I think I'm love going it. to, yes, bark in a bag. Like, a, seriously, I,
0: I hope. I hope okay. so. This is the problem with your beloved Raiders is that uh, ever since your man came out and they were talking how he's going to make him the highest paid you know quarterback in the NFL, <laughs> that you know things have been a little treacherous in Oakland. So. You know, let, I think everybody just needs to not get ahead of themselves with, you know, I feel like if the Raiders don't win the Super Bowl this year, like, people are going to jump off the deep end. Like, you can't go from not making the playoffs to, you know, everybody thinks we should win the Super Bowl. It's kind of the Jaguar thing, you know. Like, the Raiders are very, very good. But if you if anybody really thinks that they're going to, you know, go let alone beat the Patriots, go to the Super Bowl and win it all, I mean, maybe
1: 25% of the population, it can't be more than that. You're absolutely right. It's funny that you pointed this pointed this out because I've been on this the whole week, and people, I'm like people. The Raiders could be 13 and three, and you're jumping off of a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, the Raiders could be 13 and three, which hasn't happened in in eons, and you're complaining about one loss on Thursday night football on a short week at a time when the offense played it as worse. It's not the end of the world, people. But, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. It's like if the Raiders don't win the Super Bowl, people are going to be like, oh, this is a disappointing season. People think the Raiders wouldn't even be here 10-3 yeah. and 3 going into week 14, let alone, you know, a, play- a playoff contender. People did not have high hopes for the Raiders coming into this year. They're playing well. Again, it was one loss. It's things because of the division rival. The Chiefs, I get it. And the Chiefs swept the season series, so I get the pain there. But look at the big picture. It's going to be fine as long as Marquette King... Keeps his girl, or his fling, or his side chick, or side, whatever she is to him, just keep her away from the field. Keep her away from the Raiders.
0: I just want to see Marquette King lip sing to Genuine's Pony, and that's about it.
1: So. I don't. I don't want to see any lip singing. I just want to see him punting the ball, which is what he's supposed to do. Like that's that's it. Like stop, Kim K. Mend things up with your man Kanye. He's at, he's at a time in his life where he needs you worry about him do not worry about the raiders
0: yeah he dyed his hair blonde that's a damn justin bieber influence see go back to canada telling you
1: i I don't i don't know what it is and i hate to be the guy that says you know women are bad luck because they're not you know people give uh olivia munn you know a lot of a lot of heartache for the whole aaron Rodgers thing and then blaming her for aaron Rodgers' poor play which i think is bogus
0: jessica simpson ruined tony romo
1: Listen, we all of us, man, we need a stable woman in our life. Notice I said stable. Yeah, not stable. Kim Kardashian. Stable woman in our lives to keep us calm when everything is crashing down on us, okay? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, as you said, Kim K is a little, little bit out there. and She's all about those cameras and all about spotlight and yeah. media attention and all of the stuff. Marquette King, that's a field that you do not want to
0: go. With. Yeah, Marquette, you can you can buy a, a mail order bride from Russia that's more stable than that girl. So, <laughs>
1: oh
0: I mean, it don't even have to be Russia. It it can be any Scandinavian country that you would like rather because that girl is. One flew over to Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, damn, homie. And Kanye, he he's, he's liable to go, you know, go crazy on you. So I, I don't want any trouble with that, even though the booty is fat. Anyway, that is it for episode 42 of the Mike and Mo Show. As always, on Twitter, Facebook, at Mike and Mo Show. No underscores, none of that good stuff. It's all one word. Of course, hit us up. You can go uh, at. Anything you want, really. Drop us a line during the week. We'd love to answer any questions you guys might have. We'll talk about it on the radio. I mean, obviously, Laura's been talked about because she gave us, like, $250. Uh, So we appreciate your support.
1: Yeah, shout-out to Laura. (laughs) I give her a shout-out this week because she's not playing me. She's actually playing a friend of mine who's also a Raiders writer, and he snuck his way into the playoffs. He actually beat Mike to get to the playoffs. Yeah, three points, and it's
0: Devontae Adams' fault. Yes.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so that... So he, she's playing a formidable opponent. I don't like her chances. I think she's going to buy a the playoffs early, unfortunately, because she actually started Derek Parr this week. I think she started Michael Crabtree. I mean, I can tell you right now. Yeah, she started Derek Carr. She, he got her four points. Oof. Started Michael Crabtree, got her six points. And Kyro Santos, the kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, got her three points. So Oof. she has 13 points out of three players, which is not
0: good. Uh, Laura? So... Not good at all. Instinct said it best. ba ba So that is it. Episode 42's in the books. I'm Mike Hizmo. We'll be back next week. Hopefully your Fantasy Football Sunday is better than mine last week. Until then, take care. Hit us up on social media. And we'll do it again then. Take care. Bye-bye now.